I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the authors and participants and do not necessarily represent those of iHeartMedia, Tenderfoot TV, or their employees. This series contains discussions of violence and sexual violence. Listener discretion is advised. Previously, an algorithm. We dug into Darren Bond's past crimes, like how he terrorized his ex-girlfriend in 2004. I tried to set the girl on fire, be on fire, and blow the building up all at the same time. After serving time in Gary, Vaughn moved back to Austin, where he sexually assaulted and almost killed a young woman. Well, that's a throw up. They say it popped her eyes, her ear popped or something. But prosecutors in Austin say they were unaware of Vaughn's violent past and labeled him as a low-risk offender. Vaughn pled guilty and served five years in prison, and after his release, he went straight back to Indiana. This episode, what happened when women started disappearing in Gary? Like, I really thought I was supposed to be caught a long time ago. Because yeah. the first person I killed when I came back to Gary, I don't understand how they don't have me on that one. <laughs> I'm not. I'm serious. I made and all kinds of mistakes, yes. Witnesses, everything. From iHeartMedia and Tenderfoot TV, this is Algorithm, and I'm Ben Kiebrick. After Vaughn was released from prison in Austin, he needed somewhere to stay. Vaughn ended up going straight back to Gary and moving in with his brother Reginald Beard. It's unclear exactly when Vaughn started killing after he returned to Indiana, but Vaughn's confirmed murders, the ones where he took police to the bodies, those appear to have started six months after Vaughn was released from prison when, on January 13, 2014, Tierra Beatty disappeared. She was a kind person. Even if she can't help a person right then and there, she would find a way to make something happen for them. You know, she like putting a smile on a person's face. 
My name is Marvin Clinton, and Tiel was my fiance. And, and how did you guys first meet? I met her on a cold winter night in the winter of 2008. I was driving down the street, and it was snow on the ground, and I just seen a person walking. They didn't like she was dressed to be outside in the wintertime. Instead of having on the winter coat, she had on like a thin jacket. So I pulled up and asked her if she needed a ride somewhere, and she said, yeah, if I didn't mind. We started to talk for a minute, then we exchanged phone numbers, and then it took off from there. Marvin liked how kind Tierra was, and they had more in common than you would have guessed. Her thing was football, my thing was basketball, but it was fun, you know, because she found a way to get me interested in it, and vice versa with me. So is it kind of like you could teach her about basketball and, and she would teach right. you about football? Exactly. Tierra and Marvin continued to date over the next four years, and in January 2012, they had a son together, Trayvon. You'll actually hear him some in the background of this phone call. Tierra and Marvin lived separately, and their son stayed with Marvin, but if Tierra wasn't around, she would always call. She made it a habit to talk to him three times a day. She'll talk to him before he go to school. She'll talk to him when he come home from school. And then she'll talk to him before I put him in the bed. And that was consistent with her. She never was a minute early. She never was a minute late. On January 13th, 2014, Tierra disappeared. She was only 28 years old. We got up that morning. We went around, we did a little shopping. Then I think around noon, we went and ate uh, Pepe Tacos. It's just like a little local Mexican place? Yeah, a little Mexican place. Pepe Tacos with margaritas. I had a burrito squeezer and she had four tacos, two crunch and two salt. And then we just hung out for the rest of the day, watched TV, and I left and went to my house. She told me she was going to call me later. And Waiting on her call, it never happened. This wasn't normal for Tierra. She never missed her check-in calls with her son, no matter what was going on. She didn't call, so I went on to put him to bed. And I waited. I said, well, maybe she just got tired up. I thought she probably fell asleep or something. So around midnight to one in the morning, I tried giving her a call, but I couldn't get an answer. And then I know I texted her a couple of times, still no answer. I didn't think too much of it, you know. But then the next morning she didn't call. And then she didn't call that afternoon after she got out of school. And then she didn't call that night. Then I went by the house, let myself in. She wasn't nowhere in the house. The second day, uh, not hearing from her, I contacted the police. And they said, well, you have to wait 72 hours to report a person missing. So Marvin waited another day and then went back to the police. But he still couldn't convince them that something was wrong. Basically, what they were telling us that she probably didn't want to be bothered with nobody. But we knew that wasn't the case. We knew something was off with it because she called every day at the same time on the dot. So... A week and a half went by, 
still hadn't heard from her, hadn't seen her, nobody talked to her, she hadn't called anybody's phone. We kept hounding them about the missing person thing, and about two weeks into it, that's when they finally came out and did a report. Marvin had been calling Tira's cell phone over and over. He says her phone would ring and then go to voicemail, and he left her message after message until the mailbox was full. And then he started noticing something unusual. Sometimes voicemail would be full, and then sometimes it was like somebody was going in that empty in the voicemail hmm. to the point where you could leave messages. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts something that makes me crazy is when people say well i had this career before but it was a waste and that's where the perspective shift comes that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
In January 2014, Marvin Clinton's fiance, Tierra Beatty, disappeared. Marvin called her repeatedly and never got through, but he noticed something strange. Sometimes it would tell him the voicemail was full, but other times there would be room to leave a message. What did you think was going on with the voicemails? I'm thinking somebody had the phone, it knew the passcode, or maybe she had gave them her passcode because she would let people use her phone. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she lost the phone or somebody just stole the phone. Whatever was going on, Marvin realized that the phone was a clue. If Tierra still had it, maybe they could use the phone to locate her. And if she didn't, whoever was using it would be able to tell him something about how they'd gotten the phone. Marvin went to the police and asked them to investigate it. They were like, well, you know, we got to get a warrant. We got this. It's going to take time. So I said, okay, I'm going to cut out the middleman. So Marvin went to the Boost Mobile store where he and Tierra both had phone subscriptions. I knew the guy at the Boost store. He knew both of us. And he knew I would come in to pay both phone bills. So I talked to him. I told him what was going on. He gave me a printout of her phone records. The phone records showed that Tierra's phone was being used to make outgoing calls. But they weren't to any numbers that Marvin was familiar with. It was numbers with different area codes, hmm. like Chicago, the suburbs of Chicago, that was at least an hour, hour and a half away from where we were staying. So I said, well, let me start investigating myself. I started calling some of these numbers. And a lot of numbers had became disconnected. Hmm. But there was maybe five numbers that someone answered the phone and would always be a female that would answer the phone. So I would say, hey, I'm calling to see if you know this person. Then they'd be like, well, how did you get my number? I said, well, this person is missing, and it shows that her phone called your number. So I want to know if you know her or have you seen her. And then when I tell them it's a female, they respond to me is that I don't associate with females. Hmm. So I said, well, do you remember who would call you from this number? And I would give them the number. They always say that it would be a guy calling. Hmm. It became clear that some man was using Tierra's phone, but Marvin had no idea who it was. One of the women Marvin spoke to seemed sympathetic to his story and offered to help. Me and her got more into uh, talking about what was going on and she told me, she said, well, I don't associate with women. And I said, so what do you mean? So she asked me, well, do you need me to spell it out for you? I said, no, I understand what you're talking about now. Wait, spell it out for me, though. <laughs> she was more of a, a working woman, a prostitute. Uh-huh, I see. And we talked a couple of times, and then it got to the point where she actually tried to help me find out who had the phone. She said, well, I know I talked to the guy a couple times from that number, and he was trying to pick me up. You know, he was trying to go out on a date with me. And I said, well, when I call, no one answer. So she said, okay, well, let me see what I can do. So she told me she was going to call the number for me and see if she could get anybody to answer. So we was assuming since he had been calling her, that if she called the number back, you know, he would answer 
because she had spoke to him on that number before. But then she finally called me back and said, well, I'm not getting the answer. So that was the end of that. And so at that time, what were you thinking like might have happened to her? I just knew something went right. I, I didn't have an idea what may have happened. I just knew something wasn't right. Marvin didn't know exactly what was going on, but he felt like he was onto something. So he went back to the police and told them that a man had been using Tiara's phone to call prostitutes. I gave the detective a copy of the phone records. He seemed like he was interested in it, and he did tell me things. But from that point on, what he did with the record, I have no idea. And do you remember around when that would have been? That would have been in mid-February 2014. Marvin says that after he'd given the Gary police Tira's phone records, he would regularly call to check in on their investigation. I was calling in maybe twice a week, every week. If I would talk to him on Monday, I'd make my intentions to call him by Friday to see what happened between Monday and Friday because it felt like nothing was being done. It's always we actively looking for, we trying to gather what information we could gather same old thing every week. And were you trying to like hold him accountable? Like let him know like, hey, I'm I'm gonna keep on you until you do something? Well, he kind of figured that out. He mentioned to me, hey, you do call a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I do. But my thing is I'm trying to get answers. Yeah. So you're gonna hear from me until we do get answers. Unsatisfied with the lack of progress that police seemed to be making, Marvin continued investigating Tiara's disappearance on his own. I would go to different nightclubs, different bars and stuff. I asked him, hey, have you seen this person in here? I would leave a picture with information on the back of it. If you see her, here's my phone number or call 911 because she's been reported missing. And then around March, somewhere between March and April, I started hearing rumors. A woman who went by the name China was saying that she knew where Tierra was. China was going around telling people that she was in a abandoned building on the west side of town and that she was uh, deceased. So did you hear it straight from China or someone told you that she had been going around saying that? I heard it from different people that this was what China was saying. So, I mean, if it was just been one person, I could have just kind of brushed it off. But when you hear from multiple people, different people, you know, then it, it starts to sink in. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets 
that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the spring of 2014, Marvin Clinton went to the detective working on Tiara Beatty's missing person case. So I told him, I said, this is what I'm hearing on the streets. So he actually went and picked China up. He picked up on another charge. And he held her in jail for three or four days. And he said he visited with her a couple of times trying to get information out of her but she refused to talk to him. Hmm. So that made me start thinking, was she a part of this? Did she help with this? Hmm. You know, because a person only knows so much unless they're there. And for her to say that she's dead on the west side of town, that's knowing an awful lot. Yeah. Do you know China's real name? No. And have you ever met her? I've seen her a couple times. I never physically met her. Hmm. So, so you've never like asked her for more information? No, no. Are you curious about that? Like how she found that out? And... I've been, I've been curious about that 
from day one when I first started hearing it, you know. But then the detective was telling me, you know, he said, well, hey, let me do my job. This is my job. You know, you gave me the information. Now let me do my job. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, fine, you know. Do you know, did the police look into that? Did anyone search for the body? Yeah, he said they did do some active searches in some buildings on the west side and the east side of town. But the buildings that they searched, they all came up empty. But remember, Gary's population had been shrinking for decades, so the city was riddled with abandoned buildings. There were about 7,000 in 2014. Marvin knew from talking to the police that there was no way that they'd done a thorough search. So he and some of Tierra's friends decided to start searching through abandoned buildings themselves. The first building I went into, it was like a scene from a horror movie. Gang signs and stuff on the wall and an old raggedy couch that was sitting in the living room that had whiskey bottles, beer cans, narcotic baggies, uh, used needles and stuff like that. And as I moved through the house, it was kind of scary because I didn't know what I would find in there. Were you worried about like running into someone, like someone who is like squatting or or something like that? No, not really. I was more worried about running into her being in there. That was the scariest part about it. You know, did I stumble in the house that actually had her in the house? Yeah. You're trying to find her, but at the same time, you almost don't want to find her. Exactly. Exactly. You know, because then you have that immature how you found her. Yeah. And, and, and you don't know what she would look like when you find her. If it's somebody you recognize or somebody you won't recognize. So in a way, I always say to myself, okay, I'm glad I didn't find her. Yeah. Because I don't want to be the one to find a person that way anyway. But I felt, you know, it was something I had to do because I felt that the police department wasn't doing enough Marvin says that when he told police he was investigating abandoned buildings himself, they told him to stop. And I was like, okay, why? You should want all the help you can searching. And his explanation for me not doing it was because he said, I hate for you to be in one of these houses. I know what you're not looking for. You know what you're not looking for. But just say, another police drive up and see you coming out of his house. Hmm. He's going to want to know what you're doing in there. So he said, I would hate to have to come get you out of jail for being in these abandoned buildings. And then he said, also, it's not really safe for you to do it because you don't know what the condition of the building is before you go in there. Hmm. So I kind of backed off of doing that, but I continue to go around with the pictures and things like that. You know, you, you want to do more, but your hands really tied as far as what you can do. Yeah. So the anger part come in because you felt like what nothing being done. 
you know, want nothing being done. And as the case went on, the more angry you got. Because now it's turned from one month to five months to six months. And nothing is being done. Do you remember where you were when you learned that uh, Tira had died? Yeah, I was, actually, I was at home watching CNN and the story about Africa Hardy had came on and they put up four of the seven names that they had identified. One person they had on there, they didn't have her name, but they had what she was wearing. Blue jeans, a blue hoodie, and a brownish color coat. And right then I knew who it was because that's exactly what she had on the last day I seen her. Hmm. And I picked up the phone and I called the coroner's office and I said, I know who that person is. So I gave them the name of the dentist that I took her to. And they typed up a warrant. They went to the dentist's office and pulled the dental records. The first couple of hours was really anxious because they didn't call me right back. But, you know, after three hours went by, I kind of relaxed because I like, well, maybe it wasn't her. Hmm. Somebody just had on the same clothes she had on. And then my phone rang from the corner office and he told me he just wanted to confirm that the uh, dental records matched up and it was her. Now, the hard part about it, where her body was found, is only like about nine blocks from where I stayed. Hmm. So she was basically around the corner from where I live. And what strikes me about it, once everything came to a head, I got curious about the information China was putting out there because everything she was saying was correct, except for one detail. She was deceased. She was found in an abandoned building. But China was saying she was in an abandoned building on the west side of town, but she was actually in an abandoned building on the east side of town. And see, that, that brings back the point I was making earlier. You know, how would China know she's dead, she's in the abandoned building, but the only difference is what side of town she was found on. Yeah. So what what do you think is going on there? Like, do you think the body got moved, or do you think she was lying? No, or... no. The body didn't get moved. She was killed where she was found. Hmm. You know, I, I had a scenario where I thought, well, Maybe China heard it from somebody else, and then she was just spreading it. You know, with, with her, a lot of things came to mind that could have been this, could have been that. How did she know? Could she been involved, or did she know who did it? We don't know, and, and still today we don't know because she stopped talking to the police. Now, it, it's possible that she could have knew Dan Van herself. 
because as things came out, China knew Tierra, and they hung out in the same area together, and couldn't find out Van had frequency that area. He was a regular around that area, because once his picture came out, a lot of people in that area came up and said, hey, they had seen him in that area before. I think I read somewhere that um, one of the other victims, maybe Tracy Martin, also knew Tierra. Yeah. Was that kind of like that same group or that same area where China was? or? Yeah, the same area, same group. It wasn't just Martin. I think it was four out of seven wow. that knew each other. This is another place I'd like to reach out to the listeners. If you knew China or Tierra or were part of the same group, please do reach out. I'd love to talk to you. Contact information is in the show notes and at the end of the episode. Gary's a pretty big place, right? So so that's kind of surprising that four of them would have known each other. No, it's not that big of an area together. You know, I mean, they all had their own different habits that they had. So... It wouldn't be strange for them to know each other because Gary is not that big. Hmm. What, what do you mean when you say they all had their habits? They all had their own problems that they was going through. They all had their different drug habits that they was trying to kick. Yeah. Some was able to kick and some wasn't, you know. So I, I just used the word habits, you know, because when some people get ideas of what other people do, a lot of people like to stereotype them. Yeah. Think they're a bad person. You know, they're not a bad person at all. Yeah. You know, it, it's just some of us fighting their demons. Some was able to kick it, some what. And Van thing was because they had these habits, they wasn't worth living. Hmm. because according to him, they didn't mean nothing to nobody because of the things that they do or the things that they did, you know? Yeah, I mean, I hear that, and I think that's probably the the twisted way that he tried to justify it to himself, you know? Right, because, you know, it was one girl, she stayed out north in the suburbs of Chicago, she was one of the very, very first person that ever ran into him. But she happened to get away from him. She talked to the detectives, but because of her line of work, they didn't have time for her. Next time on Algorithm. You see, you know, he brought a chick back to the house and they got into it. He's asking about your car, who knows you're there, and he took your cell phone. So you're saying that these are all signs that, like, you were going to probably wind up dead? They say what they heard was somebody in distress. And they looked, and they seen the woman tied up in the backseat of the car. Sexual assaults in particular, the departments are under-resourced, they're not followed up on, and this is what happens when you don't follow up on them sexual offenders continue to offend. 
This episode was written and produced by me, Ben Kiebrick. Algorithm is executive produced by Alex Williams, Donald Albright, and Matt Frederick. Production assistance and mixing by Eric Quintana. The music is by Makeup and Vanity Set and Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks to Christina Dana, Miranda Hawkins, Jamie Albright, Rima Elkayali, Trevor Young, and Josh Thane for their help and notes. Hey, thanks for continuing to listen to Algorithm. If you're enjoying the show, please do leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We've gotten some great messages from you guys already, and we're going to do a Q&A episode soon. So if you have any questions you want me to address, or if there are parts of the story that I brushed over and you want more details, or especially if you have any tips, please reach out. You can call and leave a voicemail at 888-501-3309. That's 888-501-3309. Or you can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Ben underscore Kiebrick. That's B-E-N underscore K-U-E-B-R-I-C-H. And you can find all of that information in the show notes. Thanks. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.